ever feel unable to focus, tired, and just low on energy, we understand that feeling. We understand it so well that the Feeling Dangerous podcast and Couch Guy Sports Network is happy to be sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors compact with 100 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to give you high energy boosts when you need it most while avoiding the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to www.shockedenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN, that's CGSN, today for 10% off your entire order. Check out their green apple flavored box or even their watermelon flavored box. And don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your Shocked Energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. The Feeling Dangerous podcast here is brought to you by ExoGun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well, get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let the pain and soreness slow you down. ExoGun revives muscles, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it, at work, the gym, the trail, and put the power of percussion massage treatment in your hands. It's portable, adjustable, and powerful. ExoGun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with ExoGun. Get 10% off with the code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Get your ExoGun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Yeah. I need it. Metro Boomin' want some more. Cause I got a really big team, and they need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. We need some really nice and things. Welcome back to really another episode rings. of the Feeling Dangerous really Podcast. The show has a special announcement. We are happy to announce that we are joining the Couch Guy Sports Network. Um, definitely an awesome uh, thing for the show. We hope to provide you guys with more awesome Browns content on there as well. And just all love out to the Couch Guy Sports Network. But I am Tyler Johnson. I am joined by a full crew tonight. Zach DeFranco, Jack Robinson, and the producer, Peter Knapp. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Could be better. But could be way good considering. <laughs> I'm doing okay after an insane trip. I, I went uh, to LA in 21 hours and 10 minutes round trip. Just just an incredible trip to LA and back. A ton of Browns fans there at SoFi Stadium in LA. I would say that crowd was like 60 40. I don't know if you guys could tell through the TV, but that crowd was like 60 40. Yeah, absolutely crazy for sure. And before we do get into this episode of the show, remember the Feeling Dangerous podcast is brought to you by Jack Scott over at Renewal by Anderson. They have been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years and earned the JD Power Award for customer satisfaction. Just another reason to call Jack today at 440. 2-2-6-6-2-2-4. That's 440-226-6224. It was an amazing game that we saw on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. But the Cleveland Browns returned home last night after losing to the Los Angeles Chargers by a score of 47 to 42. We are going to get into um, later on some of the injuries that we did suffer in that game, but uh, really just an offensive shootout that was absolutely amazing. Over a 1,000 total yards of offense between two teams, including over 400 total yards in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, guys, Baker Mayfield, 23 of 32, 302 yards, two touchdowns, 122.5 quarterback rating. Nick Chubb, 161 rushing yards, a touchdown. Cream Hunt, 89 total yards, two touchdowns. And the Chief, David Njoku with his breakout game, 
since he's been a Cleveland Brown. Seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. So, guys, just talk about the overall performance of the entire offensive unit yesterday. Well, I thought it was about exactly what we expected from them. I mean, we, we knew that the run game was going to be crucial to, to winning this game and to really competing, and – they came out and they were just absolutely dominating the defensive line of the Chargers. I mean, Chubb and Hunt were both just getting basically anything they wanted. Just the weakest part was just our receiving efforts outside of, you know, maybe some receptions from Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Njoku. I mean, honestly, I just want to start by saying you guys are welcome for predicting the David Njoku game last weekend. I I also want want to go into this Baker Mayfield thing. So, Tyler, if you want to, you know, talk about the game first, go ahead. Uh, Before we do go into Baker Mayfield, I want to just talk about you, you can't ever just strictly blame referees as a reason why you lost the game, but there were very t- crucial calls in this game, including that holding on AJ Green that was called a pass interference. <laughs> Terrible. So what does the NFL have against the Browns? They missed one on the Hail Mary that looked pretty obvious to me. They also missed one on the AJ Green, and this would have completely changed the game. And there's a good chance the Browns win on Sunday. So do you guys think that we can blame the officials for this game? I certainly agree with your point that, uh, you know, the, the officials missed some critical calls. But I also think there's there's no excuse whatsoever for, give, for giving up 34 points as a defense in the, in the last 25 minutes. I mean, if you do that as a defense, regardless of the calls that went against you, you deserve to lose that game. I mean, the Browns were up 27 to 13 with uh, 10 minutes to go in the third quarter and then you know proceeded to give up a total of 47 points so you know so the the def- the defense had to overcome some of those missed calls yes the, yes the referees sucked they've sucked throughout the NFL this entire season but but the but the Browns defense didn't did not help matters at all again they gave up a total of 47 points after being up 27 to 13 with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter you, you can't win that way no you're yeah. right I would completely agree with that, Pete. And Jessica, sorry, real quick. Um, I would completely agree with you, Pete. But at the same time, we're going to get into it, obviously, later. There were so many injuries on that defensive side of the ball. I agree. You can't give up those deep passes, and that's a miscommunication. But also, you just have so many losses on that defensive side of the ball, and the Chargers have so many weapons, it's impossible to contain them. It is obviously a, a rightful criticism to say, yeah, they gave up 47 points. But I would like to say that I think that give, setting the Chargers up in prime field position when they were – likely going to go four and out like if that if that play was on like a third down and then they converted the fourth down after that like if that was just a no call no one would even care about about the fact that it was offensive pass interference no one would care it's the fact that it basically renewed their drive gave them great field position like i'm not gonna try to you know bail out the browns defense everyone knows that i'm not going that i will not do that i think that 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 is a call that could definitely be seen as you know a complete uh, you know, failure of the refs to to keep the game at least in some way between the white lines. I mean, I mean, th- th- there were a few calls that really just looked terrible. Uh, that one that was called on Treader as well. That that holding call when he was yeah. getting a hand hand Absolutely right in awful. his face the entire time. Like, come on, there are some blatant missed calls. Obviously, they're gonna ignore some holding calls on Miles Garrett because they always do. Yeah, they always do, and it's just. It's just absurd to me because, like, it's a game that was, you know, you got two great teams going at it, but it just looked like they were trying to keep Vegas happy, whoever whoever the big money betters were at Vegas happy because they definitely tried to have uh, the Chargers leave that game with a victory, it looked like. Yeah, man, and and the thing is, I mean, we did have injuries for sure. Unfortunately, part of that, too, the pass interference shouldn't have cost us that game. Like, it, it shouldn't have. 
um, like really mattered. But I will say, even with those injuries, I mean, we can all agree the defense did not perform up to the standards that we saw the last couple of weeks. You have two touchdowns on just wide open coverage there, whether that's on Grant Delpit or John Johnson, who we are going to get into when we talk about the defensive side of the ball because it needs to be addressed. The defense truly just didn't show up overall, but Baker Mayfield bounced back in a big way this week, guys. 23 of 32, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Like I said, 122.5 QBR. Zach, you take this, man. Like, what more do we have to see from Baker Mayfield? Because there are fans out there that are blaming Baker Mayfield for this loss today. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I don't think there's any more that we have to see on this show. I I think we all are going to die on the Baker Mayfield hill. I know I am personally. I truly think this is the guy that's going to get us over the top. It's not even that, wow, he went out there and he had an almost near-perfect game again against a very good team. It's it's that he went out there with a torn labrum and had a very good game against a very good team. And to have a shootout with a quarterback that's just – he has the hot hand right now, Justin Herbert, in the league. He, he's taking this league by shock. But it's also – I see a lot of people on Twitter, you know, complaining, saying, oh, Baker sucks, blah, blah, all this negative, you know, toxic stuff that's been going on in Brown's Twitter lately. But what is this I'm seeing is like, oh, it's pathetic because most of those yards were yards after catch. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that why you go and develop talent, trade for talent and get talent? Like, isn't don't you want your ball, the people that you put the ball in their hands to, to get yards after catch. If they're yeah, not, if they're not doing OJ, that, they're not doing then, their job. Then, then they're not playing in the NFL. Exactly. I just don't understand that narrative. That 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 is the one thing. It's like, like I, I get it. You're moving these goalposts of expectations for Baker until he wins that Super Bowl for the team because that's what Browns fans I think they deserve and expect out of their franchise quarterback. But to, to set all these new demands of him now, like, oh, your, your passes must be 65-yard bombs like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes every week. No. No, I, 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 it's 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 absurd to me. There's a percentage of of Browns fans out there that deserve Cody Kessler and don't deserve Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield. I'll just yeah, say that right now. They deserve Brandon Whedon falling under the American flag week one. <laughs> Actually, I think it's a great thing that most of your yards come as you know yards after the catch because if not, then doesn't that show a ton of desperation? And I mean, I mean, it's it's great to see it's great to see Patrick Mahomes bomb the ball down down the field but 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 that also shows that he that he doesn't have the confidence in his receivers in the short game nearly as much so i think it's mm-hmm. you know great that we had a ton of yards after the catch cuz it shows that you're not all that desperate as an offense and you can score a lot of points when you're not you know when you're not de- desperate yards after so. catch comes when you have freak athletes joke is a freak athlete cream hunts a freak athlete Odell Beckham Jr. to some regards is a freak athlete. I mean, we have great players that can make great plays. I don't understand how people like what people want this offense to be. Do they want him to just throw it ten yards and the receiver takes a knee? I mean, it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Well, and the thing that's kind of really irritating too is I hear people say, "Well, the, as soon as we got the ball back with like a minute thirty left, he's throwing all these short passes." Okay. So, and while that is true. Would you rather have him take the short gain and have us still be on the field, or would you rather him try and chuck it halfway down the field and get picked off because they were just playing back anyway? You mm-hmm. want him to take what's available to him. And then I see hey, – we're going to get into OBJ here in a second. I see the video of it looks like Baker could have thrown it to OBJ instead of a Hail Mary, um, second last play of the game. But when you go back and look at that more, the defender – only bailed on OBJ. He had OBJ on the sideline. Like, he was right there. That's why Baker didn't throw it. As soon as Baker decided he was going to go deep, 
that defender that was on OBJ was heading to the end zone. So yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't know what more you want of Baker Mayfield because here's the thing. You get you get pissed off at him if he throws an interception trying to make a play at the end of the game, and then you get pissed off at him if he isn't taking the deep shots that you want. So, mm-hmm. I mean, make up your mind, you guys, because Baker Mayfield won this, won this city a playoff game for the first time in 20 years. He's also playing with a torn labor in his shoulder. I don't know what more you have to see out of this guy. I really when don't. I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I also say really quick to put it simply: Baker did everything possible to win that game for the Browns. the de- The defense, uh, quite honestly, did everything possible to help the Browns lose that game. Exactly, exactly. And of course, on the offensive side of the ball, we really have to talk about it because what is going on with OBJ right now? Two catches, twenty yards, and one drop. That I might mind you, that drop came back to really haunt this team when there was a good chance we would have scored a touchdown. Yeah, we, we would have scored on that drive if OBJ caught that pass. Absolutely. Well, and where and, are you guys I mean, at with OBJ? I, I, that's the thing. I just don't know where I'm at because it it seems so strange. He's had because he had that similar kind of pass uh, last year in the in the opener against the Ravens, where it's just right in his right in his chest and it just hits him and flies out. And I don't know if it's just something to do with him not expecting it, like at that exact timing, Baker throwing it like two. I mean, it was just a two yard throw, and I mean, it hit him right in the bicep. It's just it's so strange that uh, that that such a simple pass with a guy who's who has such great hands as we all see and we all know that he does just can just have such bad execution on what would be just a simple reception. And I mean, I, I'm not, I don't like comparing him to other players, especially players on our own team. But like, are we all not going to say that Jarvis Landry, if he was in and it was in that same position, he wouldn't make that catch? No, I think he would. One hundred percent. It's why I'm so you know, polarized with him because I, I love OBJ and I want him on this team and I know that he can be great, but if he's not able to do the things that, you know, other receivers, especially like Jarvis can do, what, what role does he have, especially when we're not using him for his vertical threat? Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 here's where I'm at right now. I feel like, okay, I love OBJ. I, I know I, I miss the OBJ of old that we saw in New York. I just don't think we're ever going to see that again. And maybe just, maybe just not in Cleveland. Maybe it's just not a good marriage. Um, I think Baker Mayfield can improvise with any wide receiver he has on that field. I think he's proven that his entire career, even in Oklahoma, it doesn't matter who he has on the field. As long as they can get open, he can get you the ball exactly where it needs to be. I think he needs his safety blanket back, and that's Jarvis Landry. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's just absurd to me. It seems like Higgins doesn't have an issue, you know, getting open for Baker. It seems like DPJ can get open here and there for Baker. Schwartz even got open. He just, you know, quits on routes. But I, I just don't know what's going on with OBJ. I don't know if he's scared, if he's trying to run before he catches the ball because, you know, he's so elusive and quick. I want to see those glimpses of him being a star again, and I definitely want to see it work. But I just don't know if it's going to last longer here in Cleveland. I, I said this I said this um, to my wife, and I, and I firmly believe this too. To me, what that shows, that drop by OBJ, just the most basic catch, to possibly go in and score a touchdown shows me it was about midway through the second quarter, I believe. He just wasn't engaged in that game. That That's truly what it shows me because he wasn't getting the ball consistently from the get-go. And when he wasn't, he was – now he did make a great catch to make up for it. Whoa, but whoa, truly, whoa. he just are, – Are you calling him a diva? No, I'm not because I'm not, I don't believe he was causing an issue. I'm saying, though, sometimes when a wide receiver is not getting the ball, and this is on any team, that they kind of check out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling him anything. I just think in that situation, though, he might have been a little checked out on that situation at that time because he hadn't touched the ball. I love OBJ, too, but there has to come a point where 
the amount of money we're paying him, something's clearly not working here. So I don't know how much longer you give it, if you're seriously giving it all year, or if you look at the trade deadline to possibly do something here because he misses Jarvis Landry for sure. But even when Landry comes back, what's that going to do with OBJ? Because at this point, what is he truly adding to this offense right now that's making a difference? We put up over 400 total yards, and OBJ had 20 yards yeah. of that. Well, well I, Odell I, I, is is actually doing something for the offense in that he is – you know, a big target that safeties and corners have to respect. I mean, we, we saw it with the, with the, with Shard Higgins touchdown, the first touchdown of the game where he was just absolutely wide open because the, the safety and the corner both dropped back to cover him in the end zone. And they just left uh, Higgins wide open in the flat to just to walk into the end zone. So he still does have a role. The issue is, is that I don't want that role to simply just be, I'm going to distract the defenders. I want him to be able to use his, his special abilities to be able to get open and make an impact on this team outside of just being a, uh, a distraction against the defense. I mean, you took the words, right out of my mouth though jack i don't think that we're gonna pay this guy 17 million plus a year to be one big distraction week in and week out if, if you're gonna pay that guy that money you better you better have those games where you get like mike williams games like where, where's mike williams come from you know you, you gotta you gotta have these big games you can't have two receptions for 20 yards and expect to make 18 million dollars well yeah there's two options right now at this point we're either gonna hold on to him or we're gonna trade him and then we're gonna the hold on to him we're going to hold on. To, I think we're going to hold on to him. I don't think we're going to trade him. What are we going to get? A few third round picks. But I mean, what are you going to do with him in the offseason? Then just cut him and save money that way, because yeah. it's unlikely someone's going to want to trade for him. Then if that's the same scenario. No, I so, I mean, saying. are we just cutting him? I don't, I don't think I, we need to discuss this, honestly, right well, now. I mean, I mean, honestly, we, we I don't yeah, I don't think we have to. But it's like if we get if we trade him it makes you wonder, though, who's our who's our piece to replace an OBJ, though, like me and Jack were saying he is. Still, he has to be respected by defenses. He's still OBJ. It's yeah. just I don't know. I don't know if it's a marriage that worked out. It's, he's not a Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers connection. It's yeah. it's just not. It's really it's seriously a head scratcher. And it is, yeah, because I really think Baker can work with any receiver. And it's just wh- wh- why is it not working with one of the best receivers in the league? Unfortunately, we'll never know the answer. Jake Burns was on the Dan Lebertard show, and he truly didn't have a true answer for it because there is no answer. Yeah, like it just it, it seriously does not make any sense. Kevin Stefanski, it was kind of obvious in that fourth quarter there were some questionable play calling um, there, especially a drive with about three minutes left here. The Browns had the ball. You do two straight runs, well, pretty much three straight runs, and you punt the ball. So, guys, what were your thoughts on that play calling, and what are your thoughts about Coach Stefanski's overall play calling? Because there are a lot of fans that I have seen, especially on social media, they'd like to explore the option of Alex Van Pelt calling plays because of the fact that it looks like in the fourth quarter, Coach Stefanski just gets way too conserved. I would agree with that, but to be fair, I I also think there were um, I I think there were play calling uh, play calling mistakes on both sides. I think there were some play calling mis- uh, play calling mistakes by the Chargers that opened the door for the uh, for the Browns in some respects. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to trying that, but I'm also wary of of. Of changing of changing something that drastic here and now as as we are as we are this far you know as we're this far into the season so I would I would be kind of worried about that but I understand why fans would would kind of want to do that I kind of get what you're saying Pete the other thing is is that Alex Van Pelt runs the same offense as Kevin Stefanski like when when Kevin Stefanski 
had COVID and we went to the playoffs and we played against the Steelers. It's not like the offense really changed that much. It was the same scheme, the same offense, the same kind of style of how, of how the plays are called. So I don't really think that changing Stefanski to Alex Van Pelt to be the main play caller would really even create the change that I think a lot of people are expecting it would. Um, it would mostly be more of the same. I think that this is just another experience of, you know, Kevin still being a young head coach and still not really understanding what he can do when he's winning. And especially when you're up two scores against a really good team. And he probably just thought, Oh, we'll run the, we'll run the, the, the game out with our great run game. And when that wasn't exactly working, he didn't really know how to adjust. So obviously we'll see how he, how he does adjust to that and how he learns from this experience. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we can tell him to stop uh, calling the plays. No, no, I, I, I love I love Stefanski, man. I, I think he can keep us in any game, and he proved that he did prove it yesterday. We 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 were in that game the entire time. I just I don't like the whole okay. You're running on first and ten, you know, and that that one last drive. You're running on first and ten. Kareem gets you know clogged up in the backfield. Then you take a shot on second and ten. I don't, it's just weird. Like I mean, if you're gonna run the ball, run on first, run on second, then take a shot on third. You know, I don't know. It's it's just a lot of stuff doesn't look right to me when it comes to like how conservative he is with uh, those two minute offenses. Yeah. No, it, and on, and on that last drive, especially the fact that Nick Chubb wasn't in the game at all. I thought that was a really and, bad decision. And in um, the red zone as well. I don't see a lot of Nick Chubb either. So yeah. I don't know. And I mean, the big, the big issue is, is that we ran on first down and then we threw on second down and didn't get anything. So it was third and nine. And instead of deciding to, to, to try to get like a, a quick, just someone at the, at the line to, to get a first down, like that should have mm-hmm. been the priority. Instead he went for a run play, which I thought was, a give a give up at that point like they were going to just kind of plan to punt it and obviously he says oh obviously i learn i I will i won't do something like that again but i mean that's just a bad idea in general i don't know why he even thought that was a good idea and i know people are going to try to say uh oh that's because he doesn't trust baker but i don't believe that at all because baker at that point was playing lights out i think it was just a bad mistake especially to give it into the hands of uh of a underperforming punter who we'll, we'll, we'll get into later on yeah, and part of that to and part of that too, Jack. Like you're talking about, it's yeah. I would agree. It's definitely not that he doesn't trust Baker. Cause even though fans will draw that conclusion, because that's just how Browns fans are in some cases. But he even talked about in the press conference today that he had the at that point after the injury to Jack Conklin, the previous play, he admitted that that took him on his decision on what he was going to do on third down. He even said that he's sick to his stomach over it, over the fact that he can't go back. He can't change anything about that right now because he knew he should have done something different right, right away. And he was letting the previous play get the better of him. And I get that. And for those Browns fans that are saying that we do need to make a change, this is all I'll say. And I'll agree with, of course there are things I wish they would have done differently for sure. And part of that game, of course, is on Kevin Stefanski for some of those decisions. At the same time, man, we scored 42 points. No play caller in the NFL is ever going to be perfect. And I just don't – I don't think that we all need, need to make be making a change just because we see a couple things that we disagree with. Like, I mean, this is a coach that got us to our first playoff victory in 20 years, got us to the playoffs in a COVID year where we had to implement a system over Zoom. So yeah. I just don't, I just don't agree with some of the fans calling for that. Like I under I understand the frustration for sure, but at the same time, you like give the guy some credit. He knows he made a mistake and he's holding himself accountable for that. It's nice to actually have 
accountability in an organization that's lacked it for so long. Of course, one of the biggest losses, though, for the Browns, there are a lot of uh, losses in this game, but not not only is Jed Wills hurt and Chris Hubbard now out for the year, at right tackle, Jack Conklin left the game with a knee injury. So, guys, what are we going to do at our tackle positions? Because right now, you're starting a third-string left tackle, possibly a second-string right tackle in James Hudson, or do you go out and sign a guy? Like, how do you address that situation? Well, I, mean, I feel like – Who's available? Yeah, yeah you know, I mean – yeah, If we had to go that route, who's available to really come in and make a solid impact on an offense, they would have to learn, you know. So I think we're going to have to go in-house, Hans and Hudson, like you said. But I'm hoping Conklin can still play this week. Maybe Jed can come back this week. Who knows? Uh it's tough, though. That's tough because it's hard to replace tackles in the NFL as it is. Of course, that's going to bring back another question here with one of the players we've had out since week, week one, of course, and that's Juice, Jarvis Juice Landry. So how important is it that we get him back this week? If he's 100%, it's very important. That, that's yeah, my only thing. I, we, we, think, know what Juice, we know what Juice can do. Yeah, I think it's imperative that he comes back because it, it's very clear that there's that the connection he has with Baker is more than than his skill level would in, it would indicate. His, his, just his presence on the field makes Baker's life so much easier. Makes it just makes everyone else play better. I mean, he he has just such a big impact on this team. You, you can't bring him back, of course, unless he is at one hundred percent. I don't care what he says. I don't care um, how much he begs you. You cannot bring him back unless he's at one hundred percent. Don't do anything to possibly risk him in getting injured any further because we, we need him back and we need him back on the field um, as soon as possible. Switching gears, the defense is the big topic this week and for the wrong reasons, of course. Justin Herbert towards that Browns defense, 26-43, uh, 398 yards, five total touchdowns. Austin Eckler, 17 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. But a guy who's really just having – Quite a career year this year. Finally staying healthy. Former first-round pick out of Clemson, Mike Williams. Eight receptions, 165 yards, two touchdowns, including two plays where the Browns defense just left him 10 yards to be by himself. So, guys, the defense struggled to maintain, to to really just overall contain that Chargers offense. So what do you think is the main contributing factor to the Browns' struggles? Is it the scheme? personnel or a little bit of both jack you're the joe woods critic you're up i'm not going to completely destroy joe woods for this i'm really not because look we lost denzel ward and yeah. greedy williams very early into this game um you're you're already down greg newsome you're already down your 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 one of your best pass rushers in jadevion Clowney. i mean you there was just an absolute swath of injuries in the secondary and on the defensive line so the fact that that there were going to be problems in the secondary, I expected. I expected that that you know when you have weapons like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and a, a pass catching back like Austin Eckler, that they're going to get yards, they're going to get points. But where I'm going to say, Joe Woods, why? How can you possibly have a scheme that allows multiple times? Mike Williams to slip past the safety, slip past the entire secondary and wind up in the secondary all alone and just waltz into the end zone untouched. Thank it's, you. It is unbelievable to me that like you can say, oh, well, there's second and 13 guys. You're telling me that your second and 13 guys aren't coached up enough to know whether, who is their guy, who they're supposed to cover, what zone they're in. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me that – like I, I get that the idea that they're not the, that these aren't our, our main starters, but you have to at least have some level of scheme that at least allows players to not be wide open two yards from the end zone every 
Like like two t- one time is enough. Two times from the same player is uh, is inexcusable. Listen, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and act like I know the X's and O's of defenses and schemes and coverages and all of that. I'm not going to sit here though and say that AJ Green had a bad game yesterday. And oh no, he did it. He, he had a he, great game. No, he given had his, a great given his game. situation. He was yeah. amazing yesterday. Yeah, he had a great game. He bodied up Mike Williams very well. You know, obviously we talked about that bullshit pass interference call. I, I really do think that was a lot of bad miscommunication where he slipped by twice. It just happened twice. I really don't know, Jack. Like you said, I don't know. But if it is John Johnson, if it is Del Pitt, something needs to be fixed there. There needs to be way more better. There needs to be way better communication. And Zach, I'm going to go one further. I'm going to call out John Johnson because he was supposed to be this big time free agent signing uh, top 10 safety in the league. Where has he been this season? Nationally, he was one of the best signings in the league this offseason. Where, where has John Johnson been? What has he done to even make his presence known on this defense right now? You mm. need – John Johnson was the signal caller for the Los Angeles Rams defense, which constantly yeah. had a top 10 defense. Where is that player at? Where is John Johnson at? And I'm telling mm. you right now, you're having injuries, Denzel Ward. Not even mentioning Greg Newsom still being out. You were without Clowney. Greedy Williams could miss time. JOK, we don't know his status right now. There are all these injuries on the Browns defense. John Johnson, step up and be a leader and show up for this defense. You have to make a play. I don't yeah. know if that was on, like you said, I don't know if that was on Grant Delpit. I don't know if that was on John Johnson. That can't happen. We're supposed to have three safeties back there that, are, that could start for anybody in the league. But right uh-huh. now, John Johnson, I don't know what he's contributing on this field that's even helping this defense. hes I never hear his name called. I never hear him doing anything. The only time I've heard John Johnson's name get called is when Tyreek Hill burned him for over a 70-yard touchdown in Kansas City. And that's what I'm saying. It seems like he keeps getting burnt, you know? He's supposed to be safety help over the top. A lot of these times you can just tell. But it yeah. looks like he's just getting burnt or – why receivers are improvising on him because they're seeing his head just tilted one way. And that's what I saw with the, with the first Mike Williams touchdown was he was just going to go straight to the end zone back. Like, like uh, Mike Williams just going to run a streak. And all of a sudden Mike Williams just cut, you know, to the post and boom, wide open in the middle of the field. And taking, and taking a look at the bigger picture, as Zach said, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge I'm I'm not a, a huge expert on on all the X's and O's, but I do know. But I do know one thing. Bottom line is, you were given a two touchdown lead by your offense with ten minutes to, with ten minutes to go in the third quarter, and you gave and you proceeded to give up thirty four points in the last twenty five minutes of game time. That cannot happen if you if you want a chance to win in the NFL. Period. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and, Pete. Completely agree with you. And and kind of going off on that, I mean, the, when when we look at the game, when I was watching the game, one thing I noticed is that Joe Woods was very very hesitant to use any sort of of outside pressure um, to to try to blitz Justin Herbert. Now I know Justin Herbert's great. He's also a second year player, and they're and he's behind a, a an offensive line that is pretty new it's not all like uh veteran players some of them are are recently drafted and the 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 thing is is that especially with Jadeveon Clowney down you would have thought that this would be a great game to try to utilize 
you know, pressure from maybe, I don't know, JOK or get, get a corner blitz from Denzel, from, uh, from Greedy Williams. Like get, get somebody in there to try to put extra pressure on him. Because I mean, if you give, if you give Justin Herbert any time, he's just going to air it out on you. And we saw that all day. They never really blitz with anything more than four. And I, I don't know if this is just, he, he doesn't know when he should do it and when he shouldn't, or if he, if he just doesn't think that it's a good game plan against a good offense, but I, I just don't see why he's so hesitant to utilize the weapons that we have on this defense, even though obviously they, we were a little depleted yesterday. Going along with the injuries that we had guys this week on that defensive side of the ball, who do we think really stepped up in, in absence of the big names, Davian Clowney, Denzel Ward and JOK for me, I think this is pretty easy because he, I think he got hurt in the fourth quarter, but Greedy Williams, man, has been, since he started for Greg Newsom, has been one of the top cornerbacks by pro football focus. Greedy Williams has come out since that injury and truly been one of the best players on this defense. And you can make the argument when all of them are healthy, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, top three cornerbacks in the league, like for a team. So what do you guys think? Who else stepped up this weekend? Well, I think we all obviously have to give, give credit to A.J. Green. Obviously, a lot of people are just going to see, well, he had an offensive uh, defensive pass interference that set up a, a, a game-winning drive. But if we're being honest, he he absolutely shut down Keenan Allen He was, and Mike Williams. I mean, he was doing a great job. Uh, and I think that we have to give him credit. Boys, I, I know we all saw it. Malik McDowell. He's a, he's a beast. He's just a <laughs> he's too beast. good. Like, and Tack McKinley, too, he even stepped up with Jadavion out. You know, he had to play a majority of the snaps now. Man, I, I love this defensive line. It's really good. Obviously, I saw a lot of Miles being chipped and double teamed and all that stuff. But And face masks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I, I got to go with Malik McDowell. I love the way he stepped up. He he was causing havoc, you know, through the A gap, B gap. Like it's it's just insane what he does and how fast he's in the backfield. Well, and he's already a top five defensive tackle by Pro Football Focus. Yeah. Has it played for five years? <laughs> I mean, it's it's seriously incredible. And to kind of go along with the other players that we that we picked out here, AJ Green had five solo tackles and two pass deflections. Greedy Williams had 10 total tackles and seven solos in one pass deflection. And the big knock on Greedy coming out of LSU was he's not a willing tackler. Oh, okay. Well, he led the Browns in tackles yesterday. Just something to point out there. And, of course, before we wrap up, um, really just overall the Browns and Chargers for the week, the last part of the game we do have to get to, Jimmy Gillian, the Scottish Hammer, has truly been awful. He is rated as the 30th punter in the NFL, and he had another rough game yesterday. So, Guys, when do we start looking for other options at punter? Because it's quite clear right now that now. the Scottish Hammer isn't working. Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. We should have first 39-yard punt. I, I'm, I'm not even going to get mad at him about the muff punt in, in week one, even though obviously that's a that was a critical moment. I, everyone makes mistakes. But it's very clear that something's off with him this year. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's his, his form, his technique, but he just cannot get the ball down the field. I mean, he, he was giving them the ball at midfield. You give Justin Herbert the ball at midfield. Those are basically just telling him, go, please score on us. And, and guess what? He scored on us both times that he punted it to the 50. The punting position is just like the kicking position. You have basically no job security. If you cannot perform, you're gone. So, uh, Jamie Killen, you're, you are on the hot seat. And if you cannot, you know, prove that you are worth, uh, you know, a position on this team, you're just going to find yourself out on the streets. I'm sorry. No, man. And I, and I agree with you 100% there because I don't understand how he's still on this team because he struggled last year too. So I don't understand why you're keeping him around or if you're just afraid of trying someone else at Holder. 
on field goals. Like, I, I don't understand. That's the only job he can do at well because yeah. he clearly can't punt now. I don't know how you go from being one of the top punters in the league your rookie year to the last two years just being literally awful because that's what it's been. You're kicking everything to midfield, and they're scoring every single time we punt. So yeah. I, I agree with you, man. I don't know what more they need to see out of them. It's clear it's not working. There's got to be some free agent out there like we signed like we signed uh, Chase McLaughlin as a free agent. There's got to be some free agent out there we can pick up off the street to come in and kick punts for us 50 yards yeah. down the field. I mean, there's got to be someone. I mean, it, 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 I, I'm sure punters are a dime a dozen in, in free agency. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those moves that really has to be made. I, dude, I just feel like we can find someone who can punt the ball farther than 39 yards. <laughs> I could punt the ball farther than 39. Okay, maybe not, but I, I might be able to. I, 10 yards. If not <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Pete? I said, I said, even I might be able to, and that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> and, bef- and before we finally uh, flip the page here and move on to the Browns and Cardinals, guys, our, our window opportunity players for last week presented by Jack Scott, renewal by Anderson, a, a lot of good candidates, but who do you guys have this week? Tyler, I'm so sorry. I'm choosing David Njoku because he came out and he showed that he is an absolute freak of nature. You can't guard him. He's too tall. He's too fast. I mean, he, look, if if he if there's going to be one tight end in this offense that is really going to have a long-term impact and a long-term future, it's going to be David Njoku. And he showed us lot the, the, on Sunday. He can just do it all. And, I mean, I, I just want to see him used more. And I and I think this this week really you know put him in the in the spotlight for the coaching staff to really you know design more stuff around David Njoku. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I hear you, Jack, and I hope that definitely happens. But I got to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I got to go greedy Williams. That dude balled out, stepped up, balled out. He's he's proving me wrong because I said I was iffy on him, and actually coming into uh, last week, man, I'm so happy with what I'm seeing. It's def- it's definitely you know a breath of fresh air to have depth at DBs now too. Yeah, exactly. And, and Jack, I, I would agree with you, too. With David and Joku, I even tweeted it today. He's tight end one now. Not just now, but for the future. You, you need that weapon on your offense that can just bring something different every single week. Because there aren't many tight ends that are athletic as David and Joku. I mean, there's yeah. just no doubt about that. And I'm going to give it to A.J. Green. A.J. Green was an undrafted free agent. The Browns paid him um, a really Big contract as an undrafted free agent last year. He really had some injury issues. He didn't get on the field much. He got on the field yesterday, and he played very well for this Browns defense. Second in tackles, two pass deflections, a call, an pass interference call that completely went against him um, that shouldn't have. But A.J. Green balled out yesterday, so he's definitely my uh, window of opportunity player of the week. I know it's probably easy to do, but I I think it shouldn't be overlooked because what did we we talk about with Baker Mayfield – uh, a lot, a lot this week. I mean, it was a, it was a lot about his, a lot about his injury, a lot about about, about how his shoulder was going to impact everything. And Baker Mayfield came out and did everything he needed to do to win the Browns this game this week. And um, and so so I know it's easy to do the quarterback, but especially on a week like this where where Baker Mayfield performed the way he did with his with his injury still nagging him, I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. I love it, Pete. Love it. Love it, man. No, seriously, he it de- definitely a really wor- worthy candidate for sure. He came out, balled out, uh, really couldn't ask anything more. Well, 
I, I couldn't have asked anything more of them. Some other Browns fans would disagree with that. But yeah, <laughs> that rounds out the Browns and Chargers uh, for the week. And when we come back, we are going to preview the Browns and Cardinals next on the Feeling Dangerous podcast. This episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast is brought to you by Jack Scott over at Renewal by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years and earned the J.D. Power Award for customer satisfaction. 20% off your entire project, nothing down, no payments for 12 months after installation. If you call Jack Scott today at 440-226-6224. If you call and say you're feeling dangerous, an additional $250 off your installation price. Be sure to call Jack Scott today at 440-226-6224. Yeah. I need it. Metro Boomin want some more. Because I got a really big team and they need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better be coming. And welcome back to the Feeling Dangerous podcast. Gentlemen, this week, the 3-2 and two Cleveland Browns are at home against the only undefeated team in the NFL. I was not expecting them to be undefeated at this point, but the Arizona Cardinals are undefeated. Baker Mayfield versus Kyler Murray. Do you guys think we see another shootout this weekend? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like, I, okay, here's the thing. I, I know we all said Baker won, wanted to have a shootout against Justin Herbert. I feel like if there's any game where Baker wants to go out and ball out, it's got to be this one, right? Both Oklahoma quarterbacks. Kyler Murray was kind of taken under Baker's wing. You know what I mean? So I really feel like Baker's going to want to go out there and have a great game. But that being said, this Arizona defensive line is so bad against the run. We really got to utilize that. We have the best running back duo in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I'm really hoping that it doesn't turn out to be a shootout because – if anything, I'm hoping that our defense, you know, can can maybe heal up a little bit. Hopefully, we get Jadeveon back. Hopefully, uh, Denzel Ward is able to come back. Hopefully, Greg Newsom might be able to come back. Because honestly, I want to be our defense to come out and play against this uh, th- this uh, Arizona Cardinals offense. I want. I know that no team has really been able to contain them, but we have seen flashes of them struggling a bit in some games, including games like even against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They 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 were kind of you know stifled a bit in that first half. But I think that if we can really put in a full defensive, you know game the whole the whole game the defense comes out to play I think that we could be able to actually slow them down and take advantage again kind of like what uh what Zach was saying of that 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 weakened uh defensive line that kind of gives up a lot to the run game yeah yeah Jack and and two part of that with our running game I mean the Cardinals are another team that really struggles to stop the run this is a game Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can control this game and if we're able to possess the ball like we have been so far really to begin the year, really up until last week, this team has shown if we possess the ball, it, the defense just can get a stop or two. We're, we're going to win this ball game. But that's the thing with this Arizona offense and Cliff Kingsbury's overall offense. He brings a spread offense to the NFL. And it's truly just very difficult to stop because you have mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, who is my opinion, I think one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL with everything yeah. he can do. I'd, yeah. I'd even say he's one, the best running quarterback in the league. He's so sh- he's so small and shifty. It, you it's really difficult to contain him. And I think if somehow we can just keep him in the again, it's easier said than done. Keep him in the pocket. The Browns are going to win this game. But I, I'm going. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring than what we think. Oh, low scoring, huh? I mean, not, not low not, scoring, lower I, scoring I than I think a lot of people think it's going to be. Yeah, we're not going to – it's not going to be a 40-40 game or four, or even like maybe even like high 30s. 
Yeah, I don't know if we're going to have two games back-to-back that are like that, but I definitely think it's going to be a blow-for-blow type of game again, or it could it could be. It probably will be, I will say. The fact that it's in Cleveland is definitely a huge benefit. I really would not want to go back out to Arizona. I that really was, hope I really hope Ohio decides to be Ohio on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. What a little oh, cold. Definitely, it would Give definitely Kyler Murray us. some awful weather. Yes, it would definitely help us. So Exactly. I mean that Cardinals run game's nothing spectacular. It really isn't. It's all it's all Kyler Murray. That entire no, offense. Yeah, that, that entire offense is Kyler Murray, but he also does have some solid wide receiver targets. They they are, they have all stepped up. And when Hopkins doesn't have a big game, AJ Green or Christian Kirk's having a big game. I will say the one thing that kind of helps Arizona a little bit is the fact that there's really no time change because the game is at 4 p.m. Eastern. Kind of helps Arizona in that in that regard that it's not that mm-hmm. it's not an early game. It's actually yeah. a four o'clock game at, at home for the Browns, which is kind of weird. Yeah. 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 And, and Zach, like you mentioned too, as far as those weapons, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But outside of that, I mean, you mentioned AJ Green. He's like 34 years old, but he can still play. He's actually had a pretty decent yeah. bounce back season. Christian Kirk, more. Yeah. That's the guy to me is the guy you really have to watch out for is Rondell Moore. Yeah. Because he's just, he's a weapon that Cliff Kingsbury has been the coach for the Cardinals. They really have not had a weapon like him. He reminds me of a Percy Harvin. And so that's a guy that you just absolutely have to contain on that offense. But more importantly, you, you're you not going to stop Kyler Murray. But what are you guys doing to try and contain him, at, at least contain him? You got to have JOK out there all game shadowing. He has – he we need a big – game from our from our linebackers they have to be be able to you know recognize Kyler Murray and I know Kyler Murray is very shifty he's very small very fast so they're going to need to really come out and play or we're just going to need to see the, the defensive line really just come out and and make his life hard force him to throw the ball uh you know early force him to to not utilize his legs because if, if you let Kyler Murray get out of the, the pocket and start rolling that's really where he, he makes his magic he's a lot like Baker in that it, once he gets out of the pocket that's where he really opens up the field because mm-hmm. he can either run or he can, you know, bomb it down the field to one of his uh, many weapons. I, I think we really need our defense to be cl- as, as close to 100% healthy as possible. I know I saw Greg Newsome tweet, you know, sub- the subliminal messages that Browns fans love so much. So possibly he could be coming back this week. I have no idea what the word is on that. But I definitely I want to see Clowney back. I want to see JOK be healthy. I think he'll be fine. I just want to see us definitely collapse his pocket early and – I want to see him. They're not going to have to rely on the run game, regardless. The Arizona Cardinals really haven't done that all year with James Conner. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be tough to contain him. The Browns haven't really been historically good against mobile quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray has already came in and ran all over us before. So it's going to be a tough game. I don't really know if you have an answer to contain Kyler Murray in this league. But like Jack said, I would definitely lean more JOK shadowing him. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you have to do. And if and the good news is with JOK, he played ninety three percent of the snaps this week. Yeah, so he's getting I, a lot. I think I think that whole fifty uh, percent of the snaps is done. Yeah, as it as it should be because he's mm-hmm. one of the best players on this defense as a rookie. I yeah. mean, you can easily make that argument. And yeah, containing t- Kyler Murray, Jack, you kind of mentioned it. You have to have. JOK shadowing him. You also have to have when you're sending four or even five, you you have to get there right away. He's so quick to be able to just a guy might have him wrapped up and he can somehow spin out of it or get out of it because he's short in stature like that and he's just so quick and able to do so. But also he's short. 
if you can somehow get in his field of vision, you're going to be able to you're going to be able to slow him down a little bit, and you're yeah. going to need Denzel Ward. Ideally, you need Greg Newsom. I'm not going to even think that we're going to have him back right now. I just don't know, but you really need Denzel Ward for sure and Greedy Williams to be healthy. I mean, if they're not healthy, I'll be it could kind of be a long day on that defensive side of the ball because you have A.J. Green, but outside then of A.J. Green and Troy Hill, what do you have at corner? Yeah. I mean, you don't have anybody at corner. You hit it You hit it on the head, Jack. You have to contain J.O.K. I mean, contain Kyler Murray with J.O.K. And that kind of brings us to the keys of the game. So what are some of the keys of the game you guys have for the Browns and for the Cardinals as well? Well, if Arizona contains uh, JOK, then it's going to be a tough. Uh, <laughs> then it's going to be a tough, a tough day for the Browns. But funny. But I, but <laughs> but I will say, but uh, but I will say that one one of the key, one of the keys for me um, on the defensive side of the ball for the for the for the Browns is if you get the lead, play like you have the lead. That's what I want to see this Browns defense do, and what I. And what I mean by that is, they this team this team doesn't look comfortable yet playing with the lead. I mean we, we've we've seen that we've we've seen that before. So I want to see this team look comfortable playing with the lead and learn how to how to finish a game once you're up by a couple of scores. Because I think the Browns will be up by a couple of scores at one point in this game. I just. I just hope that I just hope that they're able to finish it out, and that's one thing I haven't seen from the Browns much this year. Is how do you finish out games once you have the lead? You see, Pete, well, I would I would go a little bit of the opposite on defense. If you have the lead, play like you don't have the lead. Play like you got to get the ball back. Keep making stops. You know, I feel like this is one of those games where if the Browns really want to win and you'd be the first loss for the Cardinals this year, you got to have a three possession lead early. You, you got you to gotta really have that early. And I feel like if the Browns play like, oh, they have the lead and they start doing that Joe Woods prevent defense, this is going to let the Cardinals kind of creep back up in the game. Yeah, and, and I think that the, the biggest key is we need to get the lead. And I think the best way to get the lead is that we need to just keep u- utilizing our two backs. Yeah. I mean, we have the, the best running game in the league. I don't think it's even questionable. Uh, they, they, they can beat you basically any way that they want. And I think that if the Browns really want to, you know, again, take control of the game, they need to get the, the ground game going. They need to get up a couple of scores and really just keep grinding up against that, that, that weakened uh, Cardinals defense. I agree. I agree with both you guys, Jack, uh, Zach. I agree with you a little bit more too. This defense always has to play like they're trailing. You can't get into a situation to where you're just going to sit back because Kyler Murray is going to destroy you all day long, like he does to every team in the NFL. Even once you have that lead, you need to just keep on the pressure, man. Keep sending blitzes. I don't care who's in the game. You got to send blitzes. You got to send more than four guys. You can't get into a conservative mindset. And same on the offensive side of the ball. When we're in the fourth quarter, if we have a lead, like I mean, I get it if you want to run the ball for sure. But also, don't be afraid to take some shots too. You got to keep the defense honest and not just let them pack the line of scrimmage knowing that Hunt or Chubb is going to get the ball there. You have to still have that open playbook. And I think we're getting to times in the fourth quarter sometimes in some of these games, it's like we're just going to specifically run the ball. You're not keeping the defense honest enough by taking some shots, and I just think that's something we have to do. I get Baker Mayfield has his injury, but, man, you still have to have that aspect of the game or else teams are just going to stack the line of scrimmage here pretty soon. And with that being said, what are your predictions for this week? Browns, 
versus Cardinals at First Energy Stadium. I think this is going to be a Willie. Uh, I thought that I think that every game is going to be a close game, but I think that this game is especially is going to be a Willie, you know, close game dedicated to who's going to really be able to execute the best. And if I had to guess, I'd have to say that the Browns are going to be able to, you know, take control with the run game. And I think that if the defense comes out to play much better than they did uh, against the Chargers, which shouldn't be that hard because they play terrible against the Chargers, uh, I think that they can, you know, at least maintain control of the game, keep it, keep the the game in their, uh, in their ballpark, be able to really just not let Kyler Murray really do what he wants. I think the Browns are going to end up winning this game 31 to 27. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower than that, but I, I, I have the Browns kind of inching this one out just because we're home. I feel like that's just a huge factor for us. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, the weather kind of plays in our factor. Like I said earlier, I got Browns 28, Cardinals 24. Man, definitely, definitely really good there. Um, I'm kind of close with you there too, Zach. I have the Browns at 31 and I have the Cardinals at 24. Ooh. I just think it's one of those things to where the Browns are going to come out and I think they're really going to set the tone early, of course, with that run game. But I think Baker Mayfield, you're going to see Baker Mayfield take a couple of shots back at home. Um, yeah. And I think they're going to try and get that deep ball to work. We really haven't seen it this year, but I think on Sunday would be a perfect opportunity for that. Nick Hunt, Nick Chubb, I do it every single week. I do that. <laughs> Nick, Chubb, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to control the game on the ground as they have all season long. I think the defense will be going to stop when it matters. And the Cardinals are going to put up their points, but I think the Browns are just going to control the clock too much and they're going to win 31 24. Because, I mean, and, if, you look, if you look at. You know, the Chargers game too, Tyler, to feed off that point, the Browns really did control the clock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I love that point about, you know, having time of possession too, because Stefanski's very good at that. I feel like that's a lot of reasons why fans are like, oh, he's too conservative. I feel like Stefanski knows if we control the clock all game, you're not going to come back and beat us. It's just, you know, it didn't happen to play in that favor last week. I think the Browns are going to win this game. I'm, I'm going to go 31 to uh, 31 to 28. I think a key. I think a key for the uh, a key for the Browns in this game is clock awareness on offense late in the game. Just 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 being very aware in terms of in terms of your play calling. But I'm going to go overall 31 to 28 Browns in this ball game. Uh, again, it's going to be a clean sweep this week. So hopefully the Browns get on the right track. We, they have not lost two straight games under Kevin Stefanski. So just something to keep in mind there as we like go that. into. As, yeah, same here as we go into Sunday. And like we do before we end every show, we're going to go around the NFL with some of the scores around the league. Rams and Seahawks on Thursday night football. Rams 26, Seahawks 17. Russell Wilson's going to be out for at least a month uh, with a dislocated finger on his throwing hand. So it's Geno Smith time in Seattle. Uh, Steelers bounce back and beat the Broncos this week. They won 27-19 to to move in 2-3. and three. The Atlanta Falcons get the better of the New York Jets in London, a battle of one in four teams as the Falcons win 27 to 20. Packers beat the Bengals in a thriller where kickers missed three times to win the to win the game. No one wanted to win that football game, but yeah. the Packers moved to four and one and took it 25 to 22. The Vikings bounced back against the Lions, winning 19 to 17. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, they really put up a lot of points this week, took down the Dolphins 45-17 to for the Battle of Florida. Saints beat the Washington football team 33-22. to Eagles beat the Panthers 21-18. to The Titans 
uh, they definitely bounced back after losing to the Jets last week, 37 to 19 over Jacksonville. Urban Meyer drops to 0 and 5 to start his NFL career. Patriot, get out of there. He's going to either get fired or he should just resign. Either way, I mean, it's gonna, he's not lasting more than one season there. That's for sure. But the Patriots uh, come back to beat the Texans in what was a barn burner in Houston. New England won twenty five to twenty two. The Bears, Justin Fields, second career start. Actually, my apologies, third career start. They won twenty to nine over the Raiders. The Cowboys beat the Giants by a score of 44-20, to 20, even though the Giants were without pretty much everybody on their offense. And the Cardinals, of course, stay undefeated as they beat the 49ers 17-10. to 10. And to round it out on Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs dropped at 2-3 and three as they lose to the Buffalo Bills 38-20. to 20. And I so did not play the Bills defense in fantasy. <laughs> They got me 19 points on my bench. But. Oh, my goodness. Hey, man, it could be a change in the guard right now in the AFC. The Chiefs are not looking like that Super Bowl team we've seen the last couple of years. It's still early, but they definitely look like they have some flaws for sure. Mm, they're definitely beatable. They honestly could potentially be winless, you know, yeah. if, if things went a little bit differently week one, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's around the NFL for the week. Uh, be sure to listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us that five star review. Remember, we are also on iHeartRadio, and you can follow the show on all your social media platforms at FD Podcast CLE. Remember, we are also proud to be part of the Couch Guy Sports Network. So be sure to go to the website there. Look for the Feeling Dangerous podcast link for more content that will be coming out week by week. If you need the best replacement windows, be sure to call Jack Scott today at Renewal by Anderson because they have been Ohio's replacement window experts for over 117 years. Be sure to call Jack Scott today for that free consultation at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. We are the Feeling Dangerous Podcast, and we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning in. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.